This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. It's a lovely Tuesday here in New York City. I hope. I, whenever I say that on radio, I feel like I might have the day wrong. It is Tuesday, right, Shimon? All right, just making sure. I'm pretty sure it's Tuesday. Yeah, I did that once on uh, filling in for for Rush Limbaugh, and I was like. Uh, what did I, I have? Try to remember what it was. Oh yeah, I was like, you know, happy, uh, happy Christmas Eve day, everybody. And they came in. The producers and uh, Snurdly came in my ear. He's like, it's New Year's Eve day, Buck. I was like, good start to the three-hour radio program and the biggest radio program in the country. Well done, Buck. Not as awesome though as as my single greatest moment uh, in in radio. Uh, beginning history when I was filling in for Glenn very early on. It might have, I, I think I'd already filled in for Glenn once or twice on radio, and but it was very early on, and they were still figuring out whether I could be trusted to drive around. I always say Uncle uh, Uncle Rush gives me his Maserati. Uh, I didn't know if, if Glenn was going to give me his, his Porsche Turbo, you know, or he had given it to me, and, and I wanted to keep getting a chance to, to drive in it. And uh, sure enough, Right about when they do the countdown, like forty-five seconds, they used to have this this mechanical British woman doing the countdown, uh, and fifteen seconds, you know. And it always reminded me of the countdown in a sci-fi movie before it's like, and and the the planet's going to explode or something. Ten seconds, uh, but she she got to forty-five seconds, and I had a a huge. Uh, I hate now that huge always in my ear sounds like huge. And uh, as long as I don't start saying big league, I, I feel like I'll be okay. And by the way, a lot of you corrected me. I thought Trump was saying big league, and, 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 and you were, and which is a word, by the way. And I was impressed that he knew that that was a word. But many of you sent me somewhat agitated messages months ago saying he was saying big league. And I was, I thought you were wrong, but I didn't correct you because I, you know, we're all friends and, you know, we could have our, you were right. I was wrong. I will admit that. It, he was saying big league. But just saying bigly, and it didn't really. I didn't really register that. So yeah, it wasn't bigly. Although bigly is a word. So like I do, you know, when I'm when I'm rolling down doing radio, I do it bigly. I, I guess that's not probably not a good example of it. 
Oh, but so my story, and then I'll tell you news of the day, and we'll get into some some actual substance here. So as you can tell, I'm, I'm caffeinated today, and I got enough sleep last night, which is a, a change of pace for me. I know, what a shock. Uh, so I, I was sitting there, I was about to do Glenn's show, and I'm still still a young pup in the radio, uh, in the radio world, and I had a venti, uh, I'm not going to say it was a latte, let's go with coffee. I had a venti Starbucks coffee, huge uh, coffee right there. And somehow I, I moved the microphone and I knocked that coffee. And it was a really, I mean, Glenn's studio here in New York before I moved out of Dallas was beautiful. It was really elaborate, all this cool equipment. It just, it looked really, it was like you're in a spaceship and it had all this gear. And I knocked that coffee and a couple of the engineers and other people came sprinting in like, no, with, you know, big hands full of paper towel and stuff like stop it from getting on the gear it was slow motion i was like i'm so sorry and anyway managed to keep it from frying all the circuits shutting off the national broadcast and and stopping me from ever doing radio again we did we, we literally managed to stop it right on the edge before it dripped over into the i don't know tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment that were on that desk so yeah good times Good times, everybody. Okay, enough of that. Trump tonight, big speech. Uh, he's going to be <laughs> big speech. Now I'm starting. This Trump stuff is. I've, I'm going to be punctuating my sentences with one word and an exclamation. Now I'd be like, "Great to talk to you, Team Buck." Happy exclamation point. Uh, Trump's giving a speech tonight in front of a joint session of Congress, not a State of the Union address. Technically, State of the Union address is one year in. Which I have to say does make some sense, right? Why you've been president for a couple of weeks and you're going to tell us your thoughts on the on the state of the of the union already? Although, then again, this really is a state of the union address, isn't it? Because what's the difference? We just don't call it that. Tradition, whatever. I don't know if that uh, that guy comes out and goes, "Mr. Speaker, the president of the." I'm assuming that's only state of the union, not joint session of Congress, but. And that guy gets paid really well, by the way. I remember reading about that. The guy who comes out and says, Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States, whoever that is, uh, I think he gets paid really well. It's, it's a, like a ceremonial gig, but you actually get a nice paycheck. So uh, Trump's going to be speaking tonight, and there's not a lot of surprises, I think, that will come out of all of this. Uh, but he, there, there are a few things that will loom large. I talked a bit yesterday on the Amazing Night Show, which you should all subscribe to on iTunes or listen live on the iHeartRadio app. On iTunes, type Buck Sexton in the search bar. Buck Sexton with America Now is the show. Click, subscribe, and bam, I will love you forever. Uh, but moving on, we're moving back to what we were talking about here. Shameless plugs are just going to pop in and out here. That's what's going to happen. Trump uh, is going to be talking about a couple of things that are, that are important issues. Well, a lot of things that are important issues, but a, a few of them are going to be bigger than others. And for one, he is going to be tackling, I assume, Obamacare. And and this has got a lot riding on it because we were promised all along that the, that the moment that we gave the Republicans, that the American people gave the Republicans control of the House, control of the Senate and the White House, that they would deal with this thing and get it done. They passed all these repeal bills. Oh, repeal. Oh, repeal. Oh, repeal. Okay. And they knew that Obama wasn't going to, well, first of all, the House, I mean, the uh, Senate for a long time was in Democrat control, so it didn't even matter. It was just the House passing stuff. And and then we knew that Obama wasn't going to sign it. So it was just an exercise in trying to sell. By the way, I don't think that exercise was wasted. I think it's important to show the American people that 
that the only stopgap or the only uh, block from repeal of Obamacare was the president. And so the moment the presidency was in Republican hands, there should not be a problem. Um, And yeah, there we have it. So here we are. Um, sorry, I just got an email from uh, CNN requesting requesting work from me, but I'm like, but but CNN, you don't pay me anymore, so so no. How how about no? Back to what we're talking about here, Trump. Uh, okay, he promised even at CPAC that he would replace and repeal, or <laughs> rather, replace and repeal is the wrong order. Repeal and replace Obamacare. Let's play that clip. Just as a little reminder, this was just on Friday. Play it, please. Sir, the bottom line, we're changing it. We're going to make it much better. We're going to make it less expensive. We're going to make it much better. Obamacare covers very few people. And remember, deduct from the number all of the people that had great health care that they loved, that was taken away from them, was taken away from them. Millions of people were very happy with their health care. They had their doctor. They had their plan. Remember the lie? 28 times. You can keep your doctor. You can keep your plan over and over and over again. You heard it. So we're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. That's what he said. We'll see how it goes because the Congress has to has to take the action here. A little side note, by the way, I don't know if you ever watch John Oliver, who's got his own show on HBO. Let me tell you, I'm just going to talk like this and throw f bombs out there because I'm so funny. I'm John Oliver. Uh, he does this show on HBO, and, and it's just a it's a, the Daily Show, but once a week. It's the old Daily Show, the John Stewart model of. Everything, Republicans are all dumb, ha, ha, ha. Everything liberals believe is true, and we can laugh at the other side. Very, Not a lot of jokes that both that people can just laugh at because they're funny. It's all, oh, but look at, look at this footage of an obscure state assemblyman from some state in the South, and he's so stupid and Southern and Christian, and let's make fun of him. Okay. That's actually pretty much, pretty much sounds like, like uh, this guy, John Oliver. But I thought it was so funny because at one point his you know his audience, which is I think borrowed from the Bill Maher audience, I think it might be the same. Like they have to sit there for Bill Maher, and then they're just transferred over to the John Oliver studio. Uh, but he's sitting there, and he mentioned about how Obama said, you know, President Obama promised you could keep your plan, and 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 then he got into the. <laughs> But it was that was a lie. He never said the word lie, which if you go back, I'm not saying you should watch the whole thing, although it was on media, I think, over the weekend. And you can see it's on YouTube. They post a lot of stuff on YouTube. It's fascinating. It was that President Obama repeatedly saying, you, if you like your health care plan, you can keep your health care plan. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. John Oliver's description of that, I just was so struck by this. Wasn't that President Obama is a huge liar, which was what he was. He was lying because he knew based on what his advisors had constructed for this law and what the Congress was passing with Nancy Pelosi uh, at the at the helm, he knew that that wasn't the case. But he was saying that anyway because that would have created real opposition to it at a critical moment. That's called a lie. 
When you know something's not true and you say it with purpose, that is a lie. John Oliver doesn't even have, for someone who's, oh, I'll speak truth to power. I'll just sit here and I, I use profanity and I'm so funny and liberals love me because I'm British. And I- uh, and he does all this stuff. And sure enough, when it comes to speaking the truth about what Obama said, Obama lied. You could say Obama is a liar because he lied, lied repeatedly and lied on an issue of real importance to the American people. And did and Obama did so in his professional capacity as president of the United States. He is a liar. He lied. So I was all, oh, Trump is so bad. He lies all the time. I mean, Trump lies about, you know, how big the size of his hamburger was for lunch. I mean, who cares? Anyway. And he orders it well done sometimes. Unacceptable, Trump. All right. I draw the line. Unacceptable. You don't order meat well done. And steak with ketchup? Are we savages, sir? Are we savages? ketchup with your steak you should only eat steak with ketchup if you're like at a diner that's the only thing open in town it's two o'clock in the morning and you are pretty sure that you don't know what animal this steak comes from and you just are desperate for food and you want to cover up the flavor but steak i mean ketchup completely overpowers the the flavor of steak i mean that is just it is an outrage my friends i'll be honest with you honest even on a good burger I don't think you go ketchup. Yeah, that's right. Now, that's not that's more of a taste issue, meaning a personal taste issue. Obviously, it's a taste issue. That's more of a personal preference thing. But you, you don't you don't do that, uh, in my opinion. You definitely don't do it on steak. I mean, that is just completely unacceptable. Uh, that is, you know, going that's going to a you know, I don't know. That's going to a length that is just that is just unacceptable. That would be like watching Old Yeller and at the very end, like laughing somehow. Like, what are you, a maniac? Saddest movie ever. It's Old Yeller. You don't do that. Uh, any of you who haven't seen Old Yeller, you should check it out. It's a, kind of a forgotten Disney classic about a, about a yellow lab, everybody. What could be better than that? So, okay, Trump promised that we'd repeal it, but I, I just had to go on the John, John Oliver rant because maybe I'll even try to find that audio for you later so you can hear it. It's just so... Can't even can't even be honest about Obama lying and the one it, it sort of comes up and it's like oh let's not talk about that because it's not funny let's drop an f bomb at the Republicans again. Uh, all right, so where was I? Oh yeah, this wasn't exactly confidence inspiring. Trump says he's going to repeal and place Obamacare, and then he said this that it was complicated. Play clip two. We have come up with a solution that's really, really. I think very good. Now, I have to tell you, it's an unbelievably complex subject. Nobody knew that health care could be so complicated. And statutorily and for budget purposes, as you know, we have to do health care before we do the tax cut. The tax cut is going to be major. It's going to be simple. And the whole tax plan is wonderful. But I can't do it until we do health care because we have to know what the health care is going to cost. And statutorily, that's the way it is. So for those people that say, oh, gee, I wish we could do, you know, the tax first, it just doesn't work that way. So, I mean, for, I, I know that he was speaking off the cuff here, but you never want the president to say that health who knew health care could be so complicated, because I think everybody recognizes anybody who's ever received one of those bills from their health care provider that says, here is what the doctor charged. Here is what your plan allows. Here is what your copay is. Here is what your copay based on uh, acceptable um, acceptable payments are to your doctor. Here is the reduction based on your plan that your doctor will take. Here is the reduction your doctor will not. I mean, you look at this thing, you're like, 
what 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 is this telling me exactly? I I don't under and then at the end you're like oh so I'm paying a bunch of money even though I was in network that's good to know thanks you know here is a service that is covered here is what is allowable under your plan here is what is customary under our own rules that we won't tell you about as to what is allowable even if it is allowable in your plan I mean you know it's just nonsense and it's all a big it's all a big black box it's all a big machine meant to obscure the costs and because ultimately here's the problem with healthcare and I will tell you the truth about this a lot of people a lot of politicians are out there pretending that this is going to be much easier than it is the problem with healthcare is twofold and you're getting it you're getting it right from the from the buck here all right this is the truth and then I got to go into a break everybody wants somebody else to pay for their healthcare and nobody wants to be held responsible for bad decisions they make when it comes to preparations for future illness, i.e., if you don't buy insurance and you get super sick and you go bankrupt, you want someone else to take care of that. Now, I know there's a lot of additional layers here. Of, oh, well, Buck, but what if you can't buy insurance because you don't have the money? Or what if it's because you're priced out of the market in the individual market? I know, but I'm just saying the two big problems that really come into play here that shouldn't and the reason why healthcare is not free market and healthcare is not as straightforward as it should be, there is an expectation among a lot of us, among, um, I think a vast majority of Americans deep down have this. And I suffer from it too. I go into the doctor, I'm like, I'm in network. Here's my copay. They're like, well, this is actually going to cost you $300. Wait, what, what, what do you mean? I'm in network. Oh, no, but this is. And I look at them and I think, oh, this is such an outrage. And then I think, well, I mean. Who's paying? If I'm not paying for it, who is paying for it? You know, the insurer? Well, someone's paying for it somehow. We have, there's, there's this notion that there's a magic money tree somewhere that just pays for our health care. And everyone likes this because, you know, it usually benefits you. But when it doesn't, all of a sudden, everyone's really upset. Someone else paying for your health care ultimately is, is part of the problem. And I don't mean you. I mean me. I mean all of us. We all think that somehow health care is going to be almost free. Not true. And if it is almost free, it's going to be terrible. That much I can promise. I really should just share with you some of the stories I've had recently of of going to a an in-network doctor that was, quite honestly, because the network here that I could work with in New York, because um, recently I had to have an, uh, a minor eye surgery. I mean, I might have done radio last night, at least started off doing some radio with a, a patch over my eye. Um, Oh, I got to go to a break. I, I got good stories to tell you. But Shaman, thank you for keeping me on the rails here. We do not want the train to derail. The Buck will be back right after. Stay with me, team. Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source, like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life, and that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. 
Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. You're listening to The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, so we got Paul Ryan, the uh, GOP, the, the Boy Scout and number cruncher of the GOP. Uh, I, I've, I've heard from people who have uh, had just personal interactions with him in a, in a social setting. For whatever this is worth, he's apparently an incredibly nice guy, so there's that. And I, I can believe that. That comes across, I think. But he's an earnest and nice dude from understand in real life, which, you know, so good for him. I, that, you know, I think... These days, people people who are uh, prominent and powerful, who are still manage to be nice dudes, they deserve a high five. But he said that that uh, they're not. In, he's talking about the Obamacare repeal and replace, and he says they're not in some back room the way Obamacare was written in some back room. It's out in the open, step by step, et cetera, et cetera, yada yada. Play Paul Ryan clip three, please. That's exactly what we're doing right now. See, we're not writing some bill in the back room in Harry Reid's office like Obamacare was written. We're going through the committee process. We're doing this step by step. We're having public hearings. We're having committees work on legislation. This is how the legislative process is supposed to be designed, not hatching some bill in a back room and then you're, popping it on the American people. I think he's right. It's good that people know what's being done here. Although, if you try to look at some of the details of Obamacare, the repeal that they're planning, so many taxes. We all forget that, that Obamacare is laden with taxes. There's all these different things that it's uh, raising revenue, i.e. taking money from the American people in order to prop this whole thing up. Uh, and, And it is complex. I wish Trump wouldn't say you know, nobody knew it would be so complicated. No, no. A lot of people knew it was very complicated, Donald. Let's let's not get confused on that one. Uh, I think he just misspoke there or just was speaking offhand. Um, we've got other stuff we've got to address here that uh, Trump has said, but uh, I'm going to have to hold that till after the break. I believe we might have our friend, the uh, political dynamo known as Sean Davis, joining us in just a few minutes. So that's going to be fun. Sean is going to take a samurai sword to the progressive nonsense I don't know why I went with Samurai Sword, but it just sounded good. Uh, We'll be joining him in just a few minutes. Stay with me. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Sexton Show. Team, our friend Sean Davis is with us now. He's co-founder of The Federalist. You can see all of his latest and greatest on Federalist.com. And also he is at Sean, E-A-M-D-A-V on Twitter. And uh, he is well worth the follow. Trust me. Sean, great to have you. Great to be here. How you doing, Buck? I'm all right, man. Uh, first off, I, I see on the Twitter, because I was just looking you up right before we got here, that uh, is is Dave Weigel, Weigel getting a little a little hissy? What's going on? 
he is upset that we apparently uh, criticized uh, him by quoting his articles, and we didn't ask Who is him he? to comment on his articles that he wrote that we criticized. Washington Post columnist. Washington Post. I thought Politico. Okay, Washington Post. Yeah, yeah. So, so you you pull a direct quote from one of his pieces and comment on it. And he wants the ability to comment on your comment on his direct quote. Right. And the weird thing is that he criticized us for not asking for his comment on his comment without asking us for comment. It's like a Mobius strip uh-huh. of meta uh, angry uh, media criticism. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's move on to the other media <laughs> criticism that happened here. Uh, which is that um, they, well, there was all this all this fury on Friday over I have to say, the way this was reported. It was fascinating when you're not invited to one thing. I don't think that's a, or rather when you're not included in one thing that is a series of many things, meaning there will be lots of press gaggles. There'll be lots of meetings with various administration officials. To say it's a ban, I think, is all right, because I think that they also like the term ban after the Muslim ban that wasn't really a Muslim ban. Now the press is banned from, and I had to point out that this was on the Friday press gaggle with Sean Spicer. You had ABC, NBC, and CBS included, all of which, I mean, these are the three main broadcast networks, none of which are pro-Trump. They're all quite anti-Trump, whether they hide it well, some hide it better than others. Uh, but media acted like this was First Amendment DEFCON 1. What is this? Just like a big snowflake fest? It was so. What happened is the uh, the White House press secretary Sean Spicer uh, wanted to uh, basically launch a broadside against CNN and New York Times for what the White House said was false reporting. So they invited in a bunch of networks and they excluded CNN and the New York Times. And the whole media had a fit. How dare he do this? How dare he do that? Now, personally, I think he should have invited them in. I think it takes a lot more stones to just call them out to their faces than, than exclude them. Um, but. Th- Obama did this all the time. I mean, the notion that every single White House uh, press interaction um, has to be with the entire assembled White House press corps is silly. I mean, think about all the emails and all the phone calls must go back and forth between uh, a press secretary and the media entities. And not everyone in the world is BCC'd or CC'd on those. Um, But the media acted as if, uh, you know, it was a direct salt on the uh, First Amendment. There was a New York Times reporter, Sopan Deb, um, whose agenda is quite obvious if you follow him on Twitter, who said it was a direct assault, a true threat on the First Amendment. Because as we all know, the First Amendment guarantees the New York Times walk-in rights uh, into the White House whenever they feel like it. You know, It has nothing to do with the right to publish without fear of government coercion or punishment. It's actually just about uh, blue check marks on Twitter giving uh, an all-access pass to the White House press staff whenever they want it. Yeah, I was telling people, I actually had, to, I had one funny little exchange with someone on Twitter who said that the First Amendment means that the, 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 there's the right of the people to access the White House and the president. And I was like, okay, um, first of all, demand a meeting with the president and see how that goes. <laughs> every, if every private citizen can demand a meeting with the president, the president's not going to get a lot done. And also, demand to walk into the White House whenever you feel like it. See how that goes. Uh, so th- that that's not reality, but that's the way they were acting. And Washington Times columnist uh, Charles, or editor Charles Hurt, pointed this out. Play clip uh, two, please, and how Obama would keep reporters out of gaggles. Washington Times editor Charles Hurt, Obama would routinely keep reporters out of gaggles. 
We'll get there, Sean. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> Thank you, Team Buck, for your patience, too. Do we have it, Shamont, or am I, am I imagining this clip? We got it? Okay, cool. Thank you. Okay, we're, we're right, keeping everybody in suspense. I think this is a go. slap in the face to the press again, saying, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And this, of course, comes right after on Friday when you had members of the press that were left out of some gaggle that Sean Spicer did, including places like Politico, New York Times, L.A. Times. You, you've mentioned earlier when you worked for the New York Post, this isn't something new. This has happened before. You've been kicked off of an airplane. You've been kicked out of gaggles. Tell us about that. I, I, I remember a, a column that I wrote in 2008 got me kicked off of President Obama's campaign plane. We would routinely get get uh, kept out of those gaggles in the White House. It was not a big it was not a big deal. And I tell you, Abby, the New York Times never mounted the ramparts to defend the First Amendment when that happened. The only time they care about the First Amendment is suddenly when they get left out of something like this. And it really is sort of obnoxious. And there was something else that that President Obama said. Uh, I think it was last week that I that is a, a very good thing. It was at the CPAC dinner where he said, you know, I love the First Amendment. I probably use the First Amendment more than anybody else. And there's a, a, a real truth to that, that, that the First Amendment doesn't just apply to the New York Times. It doesn't just apply to the Politico, which you would think it would when you listen to them uh, uh, get all, all spun up about these things. But it's, it, you know, a, a guy like, uh, you know, the First Amendment applies to you and me. It applies to right. a political figure. And, and, and uh, places like the New York Times, they seem to forget that and they think it only applies to the New York Times. Yes. Uh, the, the journalists, Sean, think that they have special, even uh, constitutional and legal rights. Uh, this even extends to journalists who believe that they have a right to publish whatever national security information they want. It's actually not true. It's just the DOJ chooses not to prosecute them, but they don't have any special. They don't have any special right to uh, publish that information. I, me- I know many who think they do, and I'm like, why don't you read the Constitution, buddy? And we'll have a we'll have a talk afterwards. Um, but I think that's what the show's here is that there really is a belief among the elite echelon of the press corps that they have a right to greater access than other people do. That it's actually a legal right. Oh, they do, and, and it's just so petty and stupid. Now, I, I don't think the Trump White House acted wisely. I think what they did was small and petty. Um, just like previous White Houses have been small and petty when they restrict access is a punishment to people whose entire livelihood depends on uh, access to important people. Um, but, I mean, if you look at what happened earlier this week, the White House sent out a blast email with a bunch of pablum and lame talking points um, about the upcoming State of the Union. And InfoWars, the conspiracy website, got a hold of it and pitched it as they were given an exclusive. And media, again, went to DEFCON 1. Oh, my gosh, Trump is giving them exclusives. We didn't get this information. Who got this information? Well, pretty much everyone on a mass distribution email list of uh, non-lefty outlets got it. Um, And when I had gotten it, I got it from a friend at my personal email who works at the White House. I kind of read it, skimmed it, didn't think it was interesting, and forgot about it. And when I mentioned, you know, actually, I got this thing, too. Uh, They dove in. Oh, my, well, who else was on it? Who sent it to you? What happened with this? Like, guys, it's a stupid blast email. And last week was a stupid press gaggle. Calm down. They need to calm down. And what's so odd is that these people really have a moral duty to calm down. Because when there uh, is an actual crisis, when something really bad happens, and we actually need the integrity of the, uh, the fifth column in the news media to help uh, uh, ensure accountability, nobody's going to be listening to, him, to them because they were freaking out over emails and press gaggles and Kellyanne Conway's feet on the White House couch. Oh, yeah. By the way, I saw that one. I, I can't believe how many news outlets think that 
her feet on the couch is is a, is is wildly disrespectful. Is it a magic couch in the White House? Why is this such a problem? Look, it starts with Kellyanne Conway's feet on the couch, and we all know it ends with the uh, British burning down the White House. Okay, it's a, you can draw a straight line from A to B there. So obviously, their their hysteria and outrage is well warranted. I mean, I remember when people were saying that Obama had his had his foot on the desk, and there was all the outrage over that. I mean. This just then this just becomes a a test, a litmus test to see what people think about various White House figures, the president, everything. I mean, uh, people need to calm down a little bit. I mean, I think that some of the yeah, there should be some respect for the office. And and I I mean, the actual office. I don't mean respect for the office of president. I mean, respect for the office that the president is in. But after Bill Clinton, it's real hard for you to take any uh, any reporters who have been around the block for a long time seriously like oh the respect needed for the oval office like really democrats you want to go there but i digress uh i also want to ask you about trump and distancing himself from sean spicer's uh, apparent phone checks looking to see who might be leaking stuff here's what trump said uh shaman it's i would have done it differently trump distances himself from spicer phone checks well, first of all, Sean Spicer is a fine human being. He's a fine person. I would have done it differently. I would have gone one-on-one with different people. Uh, and we don't have a major leak process here. We have a major leak process in government. But I would have handled it differently than Sean. But Sean handles it his way, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, you don't want to have Did leaks. they figure out who the leaker was? We have sort of ideas, but don't forget. We have people from other campaigns. We have people from other governments. We've got a lot of people. What do you think about all this this leak hunting that's going on, Sean? The press is fascinated by it. Uh, so I, let's segregate the, the different types of leaks. There's like the White House political intrigue leaks that that clip was about. And then there's like the DOJ illegal leaks of, you know, FISA warrant existence and FISA warrant uh, information content and all that. The political intrigue stuff, I don't care. Like, I, I, I've tried to care less than I care now, and I'm not sure I can't. I don't care who at the White House is leaking. I don't care what Sean Spicer is doing. I don't care what Trump says about what Sean Spicer is doing about other people leaking. I don't care. Um, I do wish they would spend a little more effort rooting out people who are illegally leaking um, highly classified and top secret information uh, in order to damage the president and his staff. You know, there was a time, you you might remember this, um, where we had special prosecutors uh, to come in and prosecute these dangerous leakers um, I think maybe the White House should spend a little more time focusing on substantive stuff and less time uh, doing the stupid palace entry nonsense. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the press is much more interested in this story than a majority of the American people. And, and I do think it's also uh, worth necessary, really, to, to, to segregate out what's a, an illegal leak of top secret classified information to settle political score with, you know, we heard this in a meeting. It wasn't classified. It wasn't in a skiff and it makes Trump look bad. I can understand why they want loyal people in the white house, but they also are going to be dealing with people who are not white house appointees. And I don't even think they could fire, you know, if somebody who comes in from, let's just say EPA, cause that's getting a lot of attention these days and relays to the press, something said in a meeting. I don't know if under civil service rules, they could just be fired for that. I'd have to look into that. My, my assumption would be probably not. It would be difficult to do that. But uh, I, again, I, I don't really know. But Trump said one more thing. I want to get your reaction, Sean, and that is that he thinks Obama may be behind some of this stuff. Play that, Shimon. 
Do you believe President Obama's behind it? And if he is, is that a violation of the, the so-called unsaid president's code? No, I think he is behind it. I also think it's politics. That's the way it is. And look, I have but a very Bush was never. But Bush wasn't going after Clinton. Clinton wasn't going after uh, Bush. Well, you never know what's exactly happening behind the scenes. You know, you're probably right or possibly right, but you never know. No, I think that President Obama's behind it because his people are certainly behind it. And some of the leaks possibly come from that group, you know, some of the leaks, which are really very serious leaks because they're very bad in terms right. of national security. But I also understand that's politics. And in terms of him being behind things, that's politics. And it will probably continue. All right. So we've only got about 60 seconds here, Sean. Is, is he just saying maybe Obama's behind it or does he say Obama is behind it? I think it sounds a little bit like it could be either. Yeah, what I got from that is him kind of just like nicely going, yeah, yeah, anyhow, we know his people are behind it. Um, I, I think that's indisputable. My goodness, we have Ben Rhodes, the, the guy who invented the Iran echo chamber and then bragged about using stupid 27-year-old reporters to print whatever he wanted because they're such idiots. Uh, we know for a fact this guy is behind a, a lot of the stuff. He got one of his former aides at DNSC to write this sob story article for The Atlantic about how she just couldn't last there under Trump. She just couldn't last. And then, you know, lo and behold, we find out she was one of his top aides. Um, Obama. Oh, yeah, not the only one either. I actually know the other guy involved in that. Story for another time. My friend Sean Davis of The Federalist, everybody. Sean, let's hang out again soon on radio. And team, we'll be right back. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Ah, team. The White House Correspondents' Dinner. I went once. Didn't really enjoy it. Had fun at the BuzzFeed party afterwards, but the Correspondents' Dinner was really long. It was boring. I was seated, like, basically as an adjunct to the kitchen staff, uh, of course. As a, this is very early. It's like the second year, I think, I was at the Blaze. It was very early on. And I did not, I left, I didn't even wait for the President Obama's speech. I left and went to the BuzzFeed party. I mean, was there Gangnam Style that happened at the BuzzFeed party? I don't know. I don't, is there, is there video of Gangnam Style? I don't know. It's, your guess is as good as mine, everybody. I'm not, I'm not sure. But uh, the correspondence dinner is not everything that people think it's cracked up to be at all. And Trump says he's not going. Play it. A lot of the stories are made up. I believe a lot of the stories are pure fiction. They just pull it out of air. Now, with all of that being said, I just thought it would be better if I didn't do the dinner. That doesn't mean I'm not going to do it gotcha. next year, but I just thought it would be better if I sure. didn't do that. Uh, he's not going to go. Uh, they may, I've heard rumor, or I've read rumors, I should say, that Alec Baldwin may be standing in for Trump, which would just make the whole thing a debacle and would show what a, what a left-wing... Uh, bacchanal of stupidity it really is but we'll see they may they may do it i i wouldn't put anything past um but yeah the correspondence dinner it had become too much of a little celebrity a-thon anyway i think it was far too self-congratulatory for all these journalists and showing they're way too cozy with those in power they don't speak truth to those in power i got a lot of problems with it uh but team we got hour two coming up here in just a few minutes uh, so don't go anywhere and uh, subscribe on iTunes to Buck Sexton with America Now, everybody. Back in a few. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.